0: Workday Afternoon replay from Money FM
1: 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Money FM 89.3. This is Market View. We are broadcasting live from Marina One Basement 2. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon. JP Ung is right next to me because. It wouldn't be Market View without you, JP. Well,
0: technically, I'm across from you, right? <laughs>
1: across from Nevertheless,
0: me. we're in the same booth.
1: We're in the same, yes, we are in the same booth. And we did get some good news. The Singapore economy um, did better than initially estimated.
0: Yes, they did actually do better than estimated, but it's not really having an effect on the markets today. In fact, you're seeing that the Strait Times Index is in the red solidly. In fact, at one point, we fell by about 1% below 3200 this, despite the confirmation that we have avoided that technical recession, and actually uh, it seems that the, the final print for third quarter GDP was actually better than expected. We actually had um, we actually saw that on a quarter and quarter uh, um, average, which is usually what you want to look at with regards to um, uh, whether or not we slip into a recession. It did grow actually by about by a little bit over two percent. So that's an improvement actually Mm -hmm. to the flash and what was expected by the government also. So we did see an improvement there. Um, Manufacturing still bottoming, still showing signs of of a decline, but not as deep as previously expected. So again, stoking some of those uh, hopes that maybe we could see a bottoming out in this particular space. Now, o- according to, uh, to, to government officials, they are now expecting that the, at least the trade uh, component of uh, or, or the trade, uh, trade at least in Singapore will start to stabilize next year. This was echoed by Selena Ling of OCBC when, when Bloomberg spoke to her. She said that it's, there are signs of stabilization for the markets, 0 to 2% growth at least for exports moving forward. But for this year, we might be seeing a 95 to 10% overall decline in total trade. So, yes, we have avoided that particular a narrow technical recession. Some good news, at least, for the, uh, for the Singaporean uh, economy. But nevertheless, the headwinds are still there. And we will be very much dependent on whether or not uh, uh, trade tensions are calmed down. And on that front, we have seen... Um, at least some worries start to ratchet up once again, courtesy again, of uh, U.S. President Donald Trump.
1: Has he been tweeting again then? No,
0: but he did visit an Apple factory in uh, in Texas over, uh, overnight, well, Wednesday morning U.S. time, mm-hmm. and he did praise Apple CEO Tim Cook, saying that he's done a very good job of bringing uh, jobs back to America. He had very nice words to say about the factory in Austin, Texas, where they're going to be making the, MacBook, the Mac Pro um, desktop computers, but when they asked him about the uh, about the U.S.-China trade negotiations, he actually said something very interesting. Where he said he's not entirely impressed, or he doesn't think China is stepping up in trade talks. That's all he pretty much said. But nevertheless, right. it was a a vote of non-confidence, I guess. And this morning, yeah, Vice no, those Premier are fighting words. Um, I, I think it's I think it's more of a uh, I would call it a, a snarky remark yeah, more than fighting snarky. words. It's okay, more of a snarky yeah. remark from there from the sidelines at the moment. But it doesn't help us wage markets and especially given markets for the last 10 days have been very thirsty for um, updates on, with regards to these trade negotiations. Now, you have Vice Premier Liu He from China speaking today and he did mention that he does think that they, they are close to a tentative uh, phase one deal, but he is a little confused, he said, about some of the demands from the United States. As we know, China is saying that you have to lower the tariffs for us to make this deal work. Now, the U.S., they are discussing right now what they're going to ask in return because, remember, this is a negotiation. If you want us to lower the tariffs that we previously imposed, we will want something from you, which has some analysts and uh, strategists actually uh, thinking that maybe the U.S. will use this to pivot back to some of the demands they had in May, which was to uh, provide more intellectual property uh, protection for some of the companies that are invested in, in China, perhaps also opening up and liberalizing more the financial services industry in china which will like which will enable the likes of goldman sachs j p morgan more access into this growing uh, sector in uh, china so maybe that's what he's baffled about but nevertheless a number of analysts also believe that that there's a very there's a good chance now that we're not going to see a phase 1 deal un- un- until next year and yeah. that i think is what's really has what really has markets pulling back including um, more developments with regards to Hong Kong. So you look across the region. Yes, we're down by a lot, but it's in lockstep with everybody else in the Asia-Pacific, everybody falling uh, by a big amount. The Cospi, in particular down by 1.6% after another decline in exports from the recently released trade figures. Um, the Nikkei 225 down by 0.8% and Shanghai, Shenzhen, Hong Kong all wearing a deep shade of red, especially the Hang Seng down by 1.7% today. No one's happy about these developments.
1: And okay, it doesn't really help that the Federal Reserve members unanimously rejected uh, negative interest rates mm. as well.
0: Uh, I, I think it's uh, that's the thing. Well, I, markets I think,
1: it's, were looking for some some good news here. I, I, well, but the thing is, I mean, wouldn't
0: that would actually be seen as a sign of sensibility on the part of the Federal Reserve? Again, it, it signifies a that we are independent mm-hmm. uh, from what the clamors of uh, of the, uh, the U.S. government are. Yeah. And also, um, they are also specifying that, look, just because some countries and some, uh, economic, some economic regions are adopting negative rates doesn't mean that we have to. In fact, they, they've said that the U.S. economy, um, while not as strong as it has been in the recent mm-hmm. years, it's still in very solid footing. Unemployment's still at low levels. Inflation coming near their target ranges also. So, um so in some ways they 're saying, "Well, why do we need to bring it down that much and don 't you well, think you need don 't you think you need the space actually or conserve the space for rate cuts when things get even worse? Should a version two point zero of two thousand and eight hit not that they 're saying it will, but if that does happen, then they 'll have more room actually to lift the economy when times get tough so there again i don 't think the markets would say that this is a uh, This is a bad thing on the part of the Federal Reserve. In fact, I think it exercises prudence by saying, hey, you know what? This doesn't mean we're not going to cut rates uh, down the road should it be merited. But we're going to wait, and we're going to wait for the right time to pull the triggers. And right now, we don't think there's a need for negative rates because as many as strategists we've spoken to over Mm -hmm. the last couple Mm -hmm. of months, They've all indicated that if you go to negative rates, you don't know what kind of distortions is going to bring to the markets. How are banks going to grow their portfolio? Will it incentivize them to actually lend money out there if they're going to have to pay for people to, to, to take money? And what it's going to do is savings rates also around the world. I mean, you name it, a number of economists have raised a lot of these, uh, these potential long term impacts of negative rates. And the bankers, of course, not liking it either.
1: Oh, they never would. would they, they never, they why would they, Absolutely not. Yeah. But I was just, my meaning was usually the markets tend to respond a little bit positively when there is a rate cut.
0: Yes, there is. Um, but I think the negative rates is a different kind of animal also. If uh, if, the fe- if they did say that, hey, you know what, we might be cutting rates uh, sometime next year, I think all they want really is clarity on the timing of when rate cuts might happen if the fed said hey you know what we're not going to cut rates but we're going to probably do it maybe somewhere in april may june at least it gives you time to plan really structure um uh, structure how you're going to your investment outlook moving forward because you can move around these particular benchmarks um but again that's part and parcel for anything whether you're planning a meeting at your office whether you're planning a family outing you just want certain things that you can plan things around and the thing is if uh and that's why, again, it goes back to this thing that the Fed needs to make sure that their communication, which they've been criticized as being a little bit spotty on over, mm-hmm. the, last couple e- over mm-hmm. the last year and a half, um, they need to get that right. There are signs that they're starting to, to, to figure out the proper way to craft their messages. Sure. And uh, I think the bigger issue here now will be, well, what's the U.S. president going to say about, about this whole thing? Because we know he's a big fan of negative rates. He wants some of that money coming from the negative to- zone, right?
1: Well, you know what? You're right about planning a meeting and it would be nice if we had some clarity as to when and if they will cut some rates. However, I'm far more interested in when phase one of the deal gets signed.
0: And there's, and you talk about more uncertainty there. I mean, it's Indeed. going to keep people on the, on the sidelines. And you're seeing people selling off based on the, the new benchmark that maybe we'll have to wait until next year before they sign off on a phase one deal. And it's getting complicated by a lot of these other issues, not to mention what's also going on in Hong Kong, which could bleed into these talks should it fray political relations between the world's two largest economies.
1: Unfortunately, I think you're absolutely right on that. Okay, so here's something that's a little bit happier as far as I'm concerned. I have been going to Leon Court since I was a little girl.
0: Yes, you've mentioned that actually before.
1: And so I was actually really happy that they're going to um, redevelop it.
0: Yes, they are. And again, it's... Uh, the. By your powers combined, Capital Land, City Developments, and also Ascot Residence Trust, they are going to—they f- have given more visibility on what they're planning to do with the Liangcourt site. So they are going to be the de- redeveloping it and actually building a new hotel, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, a res- residential area in that space. What's going to be interesting also is that uh, I believe it's City Developments themselves. They are currently are the owners or, and the managers of the Novo Hotel Singapore Clark Key. So part of the whole uh, exercise is they're actually going to be selling this to the Greater Consortium, so that they can actually properly redevelop right. it once again, and they are looking to build out uh, a residential area there. What I think is also interesting is that C- City Developers a little bit coy. They actually also mentioned that they are also going to use some of the proceeds of that to help partially fund their bid for the W Hotel. Out in Resorts World Sentosa, out in out in Sentosa Island. Mm-hmm. So they are expanding their 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 footprint all over the place. Also, but Liang Court itself, the proposed project is going to have two residential towers, a commercial component, and an upper mid-scale hotel. The mid-scale hotel will have about 460 to 475 rooms, and also a 192-unit serviced residence with a hotel license. Where will you build new properties in Singapore? Well, one of the things you can do is just repurpose some of these old places and try yep. to give it a little bit of a, uh, uh, I, I zing. Guess a, a zing, a makeover. <laughs> for those who watch some of these makeover shows, a makeover. And part of that also, it gives you a chance to rebuild new properties that can help jazz up the property scene here, as if the property scene here didn't work jazzing up. I mean, if there's one thing Singapore hasn't been lacking of in recent years, it's new property developments and new concepts also. This is just the latest step, I think, in Court, and they're going to have a, uh, a pretty significant makeover, I believe.
1: All right. Now, before I let you go, JP, and back to the studio, you will go in a, a little while. I ran into the boss of SPH Reits ah. in the corridor, and she actually told me about this, that they're launching a private placement to raise $161.5 million. The last time they did this, they were very oversubscribed.
0: Yes, and uh, now they are going back into those markets, the private placement of about one hundred and sixty one and a half million Singapore dollars to be raised mm-hmm. and it is again to fund another acquisition so yes SPH treat has gone back shopping, and where mind you they 've gone they are going down under and looking in South Australia to take a fifty percent stake in a shopping center out in that particular region so Part of this, they're going to need to raise money and the private placement will basically see 156.6 million new units issued at an issue price of about uh, 1.031 to 1.05, um, uh, 1.075 uh, Singapore cents per unit, um, and one, Singapore dollars, sorry, per unit. The thing is, this issue price is at a 3.2 to, 7 to 7% discount to the volume weighted average price uh, on all trades done yesterday. Now, I, I bring this up because Ascendus India Trust recently did this, uh, the same a similar mm-hmm. thing, where they raised new new shares through a, uh, raised funds through a private placement to fund their project out in uh, Bangalore, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, down in India. And when they actually went and uh, resumed trading again, uh, we actually saw shares or uh, units come down because they issued them at a slight discount right. to what the trading price was. So if you start to see uh, the unit prices of SPH read start to wobble and perhaps come down a little bit in the yeah. short term, don't be too surprised. But this is because we are seeing markets reprice for A. More units out there, more supply, and also a repricing downwards also. SPH-3 is, uh, is not done shopping, it seems, though. I think that's the, that's the big thing. Yeah. That and she, expanding she, their profile outside of Singapore. She did indicate that she
1: was uh, putting together a little bit of a Yeah, and I, and,
0: and, and I thought that, um, and, and here we all thought that student accommodations was the only thing. Nope, <laughs> they've got a couple of trips up their sleeves, it's, uh, it seems. And uh, don't discount uh, the footprint that they're trying to expand down under.
1: All righty, so rest of the day, when you get back into the studio, you're looking at what on primetime? Well, we're
0: still going to be focusing on those GDP figures, right? right. Um, and, uh, and as I tend to do with some of these big days, I try to call some uh, strong backup mm-hmm. and more credible backup to help us understand these numbers. So we will be speaking to Kungo, who's the head of Asia Research at ANZ. We haven't had him actually in the show for a couple of months. I'm rather excited to have him join right. us today. And usually we have him join us on Forex Fridays, but today we're going to ask him, to talk about what the numbers meant for him, he is one of those economies that You're Reuters and him Bloomberg forward. are forward. Yes, bring him forward and ask him what he made of the numbers, what surprised him, what also um, perhaps uh, disappointed him, and what this will mean also for 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 the economy moving forward. Because some of these uncertainties that weighed on the Singaporean economy this year, they haven't really abated, right? So what else is in the war chest? People have been calling for more fiscal stimulus, even. And I want to get his thoughts on whether or not this could actually mean that the budget will be even more closely watched next year should there be this clamor for fiscal stimulus from some of these major central banks in the world continue to pick up steam. And mind you, a number of economists have also told that the, that the Singapore government prudently has the room to deploy firepower. But will they do that next year? And if that's going to be needed, given some of these headwinds, that's not, there's some of the questions we'll ask. And of course, we'll also ask about where the Singapore dollar is heading.
1: All right, sounds like some interesting questions you've got lined up for him. This has been Market View on Workday afternoon with J.P. Ong and Clarissa Montero. Don't forget, Money FM 89.3 is broadcasting live from Marina One Basement to all the way to 4 p.m. Before acting on the information on Money FM.